Hi everyone, welcome to the B2B Sales Podcast. I'm Ada. And I'm Thibaut. Every two weeks, we interview top leaders, experts, and top performers in B2B sales. And every other week, we'll share tactical tips and insights on how to start conversations, generate opportunities, and close deals faster. We are on a mission to change the way society sees sales. This profession is one of the most rewarding ever. Yet many people are afraid to do sales or they choose this career by default. This podcast is brought to you by Sales Labs. If you want to submit your questions and guest suggestions, you can join the T-shaped sales community. It's a 10 euro month subscription where you'll get access to one new tactical training every month, a community of sales reps and exclusive events and discounts. Join today and get one month for free at www.saleslabs.io slash TSC. So get ready for your dose of sales wisdom and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this new episode of the B2B Sales Podcast. So today, we're going to talk a lot about SDR onboarding and training with Shabri Lakani, who's the CEO of SalesWorks. So Shabri, welcome to the show. Hi, Thibaut. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Also doing great. A uh, lot of work. And, uh, you know, I'm super happy we, we get to finally talk. I heard and, and you know, I've seen a, a lot about you on LinkedIn. And so, uh, yeah, it's it's very nice to be able to to chat with you today. Likewise, I know we're going to be talking about something that's close to both of our hearts. Um, so I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, exactly. And it's actually fun because uh, I saw a post about... Uh, you uh, saying thank you last week to uh, a bunch of SDRs you trained. And there was Ivan, who's, uh, you know, working at Iterable, who was yeah. part of that. And so uh, he's, also, you know, he's also working with me in, in my community. So you have to tell me what you, I have to do to get a cake also. <laughs> but <laughs> that was pretty cool to see that. Yeah, I loved it. I uh, I wrote that post because I thought, you know what, it's uh, it's going to get a bit of a laugh. But it's so nice to have that, not recognition by way of, you know, brownies, but I personally love when I have an SDR that comes back to me and says, I tried that new technique or I tried that subject line or I tried that call to action and I got a meeting, right? Because yeah. um, training is all about doing something differently. So I found that incredibly rewarding. And also I thought the brownies were delicious, but <laughs> unrelated point. <laughs> exactly. Cool. So so can you maybe uh, tell us a bit more about you and your background uh, for the, the listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been in sales for about 12 years now. Um, I started my career as an SDR. Um, SDR wasn't much of a thing back then and it looked very different. It was basically just me and a phone. Um, But I started my career at a company called Finastra, Enterprise Financial Software. And I spent just under eight years there. Um, I, as I mentioned, I started as an SDR and then I went into a number of SDR leadership roles where I built and led the SDR and inside sales teams there for Europe, Americas, Asia Pacific and Middle East and Africa. And uh, in 2018, I, I decided to leave Finastra and I decided to set up my own company, SalesWorks, which focuses on sales team development through uh, consulting and through training. So we work with startups and scale-ups to train their SDR reps, either at the start of their journey or through their journey or at the end of their journey as they look to progress into an account executive or an SDR leader. 
Okay. Okay. Nice. And so, um, so that that's that's very interesting. What you you said, like you started like twelve years ago, and and it was not really so much of a a thing to be an SDR. You know, it, it was uh, it, it it was very different. What are your thoughts right now about the job and how it changed? So, um, like for me, I've seen like so so when I, I started in sales, like in Texas, I think it was yeah six seven years ago. And, um, you know, it was also very kind of uncommon. It started like the wording kind of started to go out, but it was very often just like uh, a position you do uh, to start in sales before becoming account executive. And now it feels like things are a bit different. So what's your view on, on the job and how it changed? I think you're spot on. I think it has changed. My honest opinion is that it's still got some way to go, right? Mm -hmm. I think sales has not always been seen as a very respected profession. Um, I think people often see sales as a stepping stone, but I think more specifically SDRs have always been seen as a temporary role. Mm -hmm. And I think the way that we talk about the role has to change. I think the respect has changed, but has got a long way to go. I think I still see it where recruiters talk about, you know, fast progression into an AE in 12 months. And when you're promoting getting out of the role, what you're doing there is not necessarily filling the role with a ton of respect. Mm -hmm. But I think it's one of the most, I think it's, it's, it's personally, I think one of the best roles that you can do in a commercial organization. I think you, the number of touch points you have with, with, with prospects, I think the learning curve is very steep. Um, and I think it's incredibly rewarding. I think if you can, if you can do well, you know, financially, you can, you can make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. um, but I think also the praise and recognition that go along with that role, uh, uh, you know, are growing as well. So I think companies are recognizing more and more the value of the role and i think that mm -hmm. that's a positive move yeah yeah i think it's it's uh it's very interesting because often you know we see that uh, like a lot of people are are landing in this job because they they you know like they they don't like for you know i'd say there's like a big demand for sales and then they say okay i'm gonna do it and uh, some people are obviously like you know do that as just an entry point and then they probably they want to become csm or doing these kind of things um but what i found is like i've met a lot of sdrs in my communities who are insanely talented they are really excited and and you can you know see the, the momentum they built in their companies they generate pipeline and i think if you manage this skill early on uh, then you can use that for doing so many things that's what you and i did like we built our business based on these skills where we yeah. knew okay whatever we're just going to find ways to book meetings and then we'll see how it goes and so i think this is so important and uh this is for me, like I'm, I'm always, uh, I believe like in sales, everything comes from the, you know, like the, the point of attack. So very early on in the discovery call, that's where you define the success of your deal, not at the end during negotiation or closing techniques. And I think being able to generate opportunities, like qualify them is really, a, it's an amazing skill and it's very useful down the line, uh, you know, if you want to do your business or work in anything else. I completely agree. And I and I think that the ability to generate interest, not even revenue, but the ability to generate interest from nothing is amazing. Mm -hmm. Right. I you know, outbound is so difficult. The ability to create a relationship and to build a connection with someone who you don't know, I don't think we give enough credit to how difficult that is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's so rewarding when it works well. So I think it's, uh, it's really cool. So um, 
I'm, I'm actually curious for the SDR managers who are listening to us right now. Um, I, I, I see and I talk to a lot of them and uh, it's crazy to see how it's booming in tech. Uh, These SDR teams that are being created like crazy, um, which creates a problem is training and onboarding. So can you tell me maybe about the common pitfalls uh, SDR managers are facing when they are, they are training and you know onboarding their reps in the first, let's say, three months? Yeah, absolutely. So let me split that out into first onboarding, right? I think because of the tenure that SDRs have in the role, which is typically around 14, 15 months, and you've got a three-month ramp period, I think a lot of SDR managers assume that SDRs can learn on the job because they've got such a short space of time in between that. Um, So that's the first pitfall I see. Um, The second pitfall I see is it becomes all about the product, right? So people Mm -hmm. think that the first week of training should be all about the product and not about the soft skills and not about how to build rapport, how to respond to objections, how to navigate through gatekeepers. And what happens if you've you've centered your training around the product is that it leads to feature function conversations, right? Mm -hmm. And my, my opinion is the market has never been this crowded. So the, if we're going to continue having feature function conversations and just leading with pitching, we're never going to stand out. And so I think the pitfall I see there is that companies aren't spending enough time up front looking at soft skill development. So that's that's on the onboarding side. The, the pitfalls I see on broader training, um, training is often a fire and forget initiative, right? And Thibaut, you and I spoke about this when, when we first connected as well, which is it's this one-off event, right? And mm-hmm. training, 90% of training is lost in 30 days, which is astonishing, right? Crazy, so yeah. if you just do this once, you're never going to change the way that you um, that you do things. And so I think, you know, that's the mistake a lot of leaders make. And I think lastly on that is training is broadcast learning or e-learning or it's not practical, right? And so I'm a big believer for training to be worthwhile. It needs to be practical and sustained. You know, they say that we remember 10% of what we hear sorry, 10% of what we read, 20% of what we hear, and 70% when it's experiential. So, you know, my advice to SDR managers and leaders is make your training as experiential and as practical as possible, because you want to be aiming for that 70% where people can learn by doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, so uh, it's, it's very interesting, the, the stat about the uh, 90% is forgotten after 30 days. Um, when you think about how, you know, like, good sales training, how much it costs. Like it's, it's insane to be spending so much money and having no reinforcement after that. So I think it's, it's a, and it's a big issue because, um, you know, if, if you like sales training is very expensive because the time of a good trainer is also very expensive. So you can't go and have this person and then say, okay, we're going to keep you for six months. It's going to cost you like tons of money. And it's very hard to justify. And um, I think a lot of sales trainers made their fortunes in the 70s, 80s, whatever, when there was no technology by doing that, they were selling their time very easily. And now, you know, we have tools to be able to kind of record what we have to say and then distribute that asynchronously. 
And so I think it's it's really important. So what other kind of tools uh, are the, the the things you do to make sure that your te- your training is really tactical and experiential, as, as you said. Great question. So um, since we moved remote, we do run our trainings on Zoom. Um, We've just started to use Showpad as well, because so much of tools like Showpad is about the user experience. And like you say, the videos and self-paced learning so people can go and revisit and reinforce. And all of our training modules are paired alongside a worksheet, right? And the worksheet's got a really clear objective of what is it that you need here that's in terms of the kind of tools that we use to run alongside our training but i think what's really important is to have a look at tools and we use refract but to have tools like refract jiminy gong where you can actually look at training against data data driven metrics right so you should be having a look at how do your reps improve over a three-month period if they're doing three months training if the line stays flat there's a problem, yeah. right? But I love tools like that that help you look at rep side by side, but also week over week mm-hmm. performance as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think having uh, the tech stack to support that is incredibly important. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's uh, the tech stack is, and now we have so many great tools for that, revenue intelligence, uh, you know, sales intelligence. We have so many crazy tools that, that are really interesting. Um, and so, so I think that's that's really what's important now, and why sales operation is becoming so important in the, you know, in, in sales enablement is that all these tools give you a huge advantage uh, compared to your competitors if you don't use them. I mean, if you use them and they don't. So I think this this is really really important in there. I I'd agree. I think the you know one of the reasons I think training often fails is because there's no ROI attached to it Mm -hmm. right people don't know what they should be measuring so i think if you don't have a tool like that it's really difficult to measure what the success is from your programs and i think before training i encourage companies to have a think about what's the one or two things you're looking to improve if you go into training and you're looking to improve 10 different things you dilute the quality of Mm -hmm. what you're aiming for right so it could be you're looking to increase confidence and so you're you know the calls are too short so you know one metric could be we're looking at having a look at average call duration right you could be having Mm -hmm. a look at conversions and whatever that is focus on one or two things and make sure they're easily measurable i see a lot of companies say we want to improve confidence it's like that's quite a subjective thing what's mm-hmm. the objective kpi that you're going to look yeah. at to measure that um i'm sure that's something you've seen as well and that you hear too yeah yeah it's, it's true like often people they say um i want my to sell better to you know they have this idea often it's crazy because some people have an idea of, of sales people which comes from um how do you call that um Cinema, like movie culture they think like like i've seen a job post where they say always be closing is not like uh I don't know, like it's not just a mode it's not just like a punchline it's a way of thinking and i'm like yeah no <laughs> please don't like <laughs> it's not really how it's how it should be seen but it's often they say okay i want people to you know i think I had stories where people were saying, hey, my reps are uncap- uncap- like they're really like really bad. They're not performing. You have to fix them, whatever. And often it's about quantifying the problem, quantifying the solution. And that's where you can, as you said, you have an error, something you can measure, and then you're able to, to do that. And um, 
I'm curious to know, so what about a good onboarding program? So uh, if I'm an SDR manager and I need an onboarding program, what would be the advice you would give me there? Good question. Um, I think first is start off with what's your goal of onboarding, right? It's it's not to become an expert. It's to learn the basics and have a solid starting point from where your reps can ramp up. I think there's a few things I, I recommend. The first is make your onboarding program SDR specific. Mm-hmm. A lot of companies will have some CSMs, AEs, SDRs starting at the same time and then let us all onboard them together. You know, that's not going to have the same impact. So my mm-hmm. first recommendation would be make it SDR specific. The second would be to make it hands-on. So don't just give people a playbook and some videos to watch, make that hands-on and make it as hyper-focused as possible. Mm -hmm. And then thirdly, and this is probably my favorite, is have a accreditation or certification or a test or something at the end of that, right? And what I'm looking for there is to see if people are phone ready, right? Mm -hmm. Or they're ready to to start executing on on a go-to-market or campaign. And that does a couple of things. It gives you as the manager confidence that your team are going to start on on that journey. But also it highlights development areas that you can plug into ongoing training and coaching. Mm -hmm. And so I think an accreditation is one of my favorite parts of onboarding, which is you take everything that you've trained on and you formulate it into a real life exercise. So, you know, a cold call, a discovery call, a client meeting, whatever that might be. And I think, you know, I personally, we talked about what we find rewarding at the start. I personally find that really rewarding to see what people deliver in that accreditation from where they were two weeks before that. Yeah. Okay. I really like that. The accreditation aspect, it often, you know, it's like the the way people learn, adults learn is very, um, uh, different than than kids learn but it's often you know like uh, it's important as you as you said to have this accreditation at the end to make sure they are actually uh, delivering to also you know be able to see if they if they they need to have some behaviors that, are, that has to be changed so i think it's a it's a very good thing what, what kind of tools do you use for that do you have any specific tools or what's the approach there no specific tools in terms of a tech stack but one um one tool that i use is a scorecard so the scorecard allows you to break down the different components of what you're looking to see in that accreditation, right? So um, it could be industry knowledge, it could be sales skills, but breaking down those sales skills into how do they open the call? Mm-hmm. How did they handle any objections you gave them? How confident were they? Did they close the meeting? All of those different types of things. And so having a scorecard is the really important tool. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there are tools that you can use to automate that um you know mindsets on a google sheet um but you know i think it's it's the output that you're looking to see from that yeah okay that i think is key okay cool um and so how is he working onboarding remotely so it's something new for a lot of us and uh you have to to kind of onboard sdrs remotely where some people relied on like this kind of buzzing sales floor and now you don't have the buzzing sales floor anymore you just go wake up and drink a coffee and you're by yourself. So what's the the kind of, uh, uh, like what has changed in terms of a uh, remote onboarding? Yeah, I think it's difficult, right? Like I'm not gonna lie, I think it's hard. 
I think there are two parts to onboarding, which I'd break down into functional and mm-hmm. experiential. So our functional onboarding is, you know, did you get your login to HubSpot, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, do you know, you know, the company's processes? That I think has largely remained the same. I think where companies need to spend more time on is the experiential, mm-hmm. because as you say, they don't have that face-to-face buzz. Um, my recommendation is that it's really important to not shoehorn training and onboarding into your Monday morning team meeting, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that creating your onboarding remotely is more important than it was when we were in person. Mm -hmm. So I think making it an event, right? Um, Digitizing any documents, any playbooks, any processes is really important now way more important than it was before Mm -hmm. and so make it easy for people to access things you know I see companies password protect a lot of documents and onboarding and it slows Mm -hmm. down the processes streamline it you know use videos make that interactive and you know I, I would also say that managing expectations and over communicating is really important Right. So I don't think there's anything as too much communication and remote onboarding. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would say it should probably be a little bit. um, It should be a little bit more focused than it was when people were back in the office. So I I would say, you know, I'd say split that out. And then the other thing I would say is, you know, one full day of training, as you and I know, it's too much. So be really conscious of people getting a Zoom fatigue and think about the ways that you can maximize engagement throughout those sessions, break them up and make them these sprint style sessions where you can. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it's, it's, uh, it's very interesting. And, uh, um, you know, my my wife is, uh, is, she started a new job like two months ago and she's doing the onboarding online works really well. Um, And so, uh, so one thing, you know, as you said, it's, it's crazy because, Everything she was, you know, like she would have uh, done in normal on- onboarding, they've been like going to meetings, talking with people and whatever. And I think it's, um, there's a lot of asynchronous content now where she looks at recordings and every, and, and has to do that in different steps. And I think it's also very interesting because it allows people to maybe do it once and then they don't need to kind of go and with a batch of new SDRs that are coming, like restart and do that again. So I think it can be a good time saver, but you know, as you said, like eight hours straight in a Zoom call is just crazy. And that's why I'm really actually happy this uh, this kind of lockdowns, everything happened because it changed our jobs as sales trainers where people don't expect us to come in the office, spend eight hours. And for me, you know, like when I think about a sales training, I've been to many and my big fear was like that I would end up like sales trainers where you go, you know, it's let's say it's a, it's a, it's a May, it's a day in May or whatever, and then it's super warm. So you start the training, people are pumped up, and then the temperature rise, and then you get tired, and then you get sweaty. And then, you know, it's like <laughs> this thing where the sales trainer is up at the end of eight days and like physically uh, really like suffering. And I think yeah. it's great because we don't have that anymore. For me, it's like when I want to have uh, sessions maximum, and, uh, you know, then it gives some space to breathe for everyone. And I think it's great. way more interesting than. Uh, just like these crazy eight hours summits we were doing. Completely agree. I, I uh, it seems like a very distant memory that mm-hmm. training was eight hours a day in person, but 
two weeks before the pandemic, I did two on-site trainings. One was in Nottingham and one was in Southampton, right? And they were both two-day trainings, but actually it's a four-day training because mm-hmm. you, you're going there, you're traveling two and a half hours each way. It's it's exhausting, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's also, I think this is way more effective, not just for trainers like you and I, but also the individuals who are on the receiving end mm-hmm. of training as well. So I think this really is changing the way that we are going to be training in the future. Yeah, and I think for us it's pretty good because we will we'll travel a lot less. I mean, I like traveling, but I like traveling to go on holiday, <laughs> not so much to go on, on training or customer meetings. So for me, I, I think it's a, it was a really welcome change. You know, could have been done in another way, but it kind of forced us to reinvent and, uh, and adapt. I think it's, uh, it's very interesting in there. Yeah, I agree. And so about training, so we talked a bit about onboarding, um, but about the skills, like the, let's say if you, there's three skills you, you think uh, that often need to be developed for SDRs, what would be these uh, three skills? It's a good question. So I think there are some skills that can be taught and some that can't, mm-hmm. right? So I would hire for those skills that can't. And in my opinion, those are things like intellectual curiosity, coachability, and drive. Mm -hmm. I think you can teach someone how to conduct discovery, as an example, Mm -hmm. right? Or you can teach someone how to respond to objections. Um, I would say discovery is one of the key skills because I think that people often think of discovery as one step in the sales Mm -hmm. process. You should be doing discovery all the way through from the first time you speak to someone through to close. And so I think that ability to ask questions and not just accept the answer, but to understand the consequence or the impact of something that someone is saying is key, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that active listening is really important. Um, I think discovery is important. And I think storytelling. I think stories are what makes our conversations with prospects really powerful Mm -hmm. and able to show value in a way that is really compelling and strong. Mm. So I think that our ability to to tell stories is um, is a huge one. And I think the last one is value selling. We talk a lot about value selling, right? But what is it? Um, and I and I think that teaching that as a skill links very well with discovery, but I think teaching that as a skill. So talking less about our product service or solution, mm-hmm. but talking about why, why a prospect would be interested. The number of calls I still listen to when I do call coaching that mention product and service in the first 10 seconds is mm-hmm. astonishing, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's more about that discovery value creation and storytelling that mm-hmm. I think are the key skills yeah okay yeah I really like the the value selling part I think it's uh um it, it's very interesting for I, I was in like you know I met a, a guy who's my mentor now and, and who's the one who got me into training is uh, Skip Miller he he uh, like wrote a lot of books and he's been very successful working with uh, companies in the Silicon Valley and I was working for a company called Branch at the time and uh, it was great because he was, he, you know, he came, we went for a training and uh, it was the only, actually the only size training where I spent eight hours in a room and I, I found like, I found it was amazing. And uh, 
he even like he was confusing the name of the company he called it tree instead of branch <laughs> and you know like we were into this deep linking was very technical super hard to explain and he was able to kind of get us turn us and be like if we had money we would have given him money without even knowing the name of the company properly so say you you tree whatever you're doing i don't know and he he, he had this thing where he was finding problems and uh he was always kind of reversing, you know, where he's not saying anything. You as a, as a prospect is talking, you know, talking all the time and really like he's guiding you in the right direction. And so I think it's a, it's a very interesting skill. It's often something that is, it comes with experience, but it's, uh, it's also very interesting to, to check this uh, value sending. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's the ability to also adjust the value based on the persona that you're selling to, mm-hmm. right? And if you're selling to a CEO, do you have different value drivers that a CFO might be interested in mm-hmm. versus a CTO might be interested in? And I think that that takes practice, but it also is it it takes understanding what's important to people and that emotional intelligence of then being able to relate those things to people. So I think when we talk about value drivers, it's not just, you know, what value does our company offer it's what value does our company offer to you as an individual in your particular role Mm -hmm. yeah exactly exactly good and so in terms of of tools um so what tools do you suggest to to use uh, when you're onboarding and training sdrs i think we touched on this a little bit earlier but i think i think having a call coaching and conversation analytics tool is going to be your best friend in those first few months, right? Especially um, as you're onboarding, I think something that can provide data-driven insights um, is is invaluable. Mm-hmm. So with our clients, we use Refract. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, it's those rep by rep comparisons and that week over week analysis that I mm-hmm. think is, um, is brilliant. Jiminy is great too. Um, they've got a specific focus on on coaching, and then I think tools like Salesloft just help you manage and organize your activity better. Mm-hmm. I think if you're an SDR, you started in a new role, and your manager builds all these cadences for you, and you don't quite know where to start and what to do. I think having a tool like Salesloft can really help automate that, mm-hmm. and also provides those analytics to managers on which cadences are performing better than others. So you know where to double down. Yeah. So I think um, I, those would be my two, two types of tools that I'd recommend. Okay. Yeah. So sequencer or sales enablement tool and a revenue intelligence or sales intelligence uh, tool. Spot on. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Um, good. So, I mean, for me, that, that's that's all the questions I had. So I just want to give give the stage to you uh, to actually talk about anything you want to talk about. So if there's any book you're doing or, you know, like anything you, you want to talk about, you can, you know, yeah, the stage is yours. Thank you. Um, no immediate book in the pipeline. Um, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, this is something that is incredibly close to my heart. Um, it's why I built a company around it and, you know, why... Um, people like yourself are incredibly successful because this is a space that people are 
investing in time energy resources um, and so if people are interested in learning more about um, you know what's top of mind for me um, and and how we're trying to change the game as it relates to SDR training then um, I encourage you to follow me on LinkedIn I tend to post a blog every week about something to do with sales development or sales development training um, so I, I tend to pour my heart out on, on a blog every week about something that's top of mind and um, so if people are interested in reading more then then i encourage you to uh, to check it out okay yeah i'll put the link uh, to your uh, linkedin profile in the show notes so people can directly access and connect with you is there any anything they need to say in the invitation or you're you're accepting everyone or any 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 tactic to get you to say yes to their connection request um Write a note. That would be my one. That would be my one thing. Um, I don't know about you, but I tend to get a lot of blank connection requests. And I, someone said to me recently that sending a blank connection request is basically the equivalent of going up to someone in a bar and not saying anything, yeah. right? Yeah. And um, and so so yeah. I'd, I'd, if you have listened to this podcast, let me know in your connection request. Um, but you know, it goes back to what we talked about at the start you know, SDRs need to cut through the noise, right? We mm -hmm. all need to cut through the noise. Um, and so I think having that personalization in LinkedIn is, is really key. Okay, cool. Good. So thank you so much, Shabri. That was really insightful. Learned a lot. And it's always cool to exchange uh, with people who love SDRs uh, as much as we do. So I think uh, it was really amazing to have you. And uh, thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I loved hearing your insights as well. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you like what you hear and you want to suggest a topic or a guest, you can join the T-Shaped Sales community. It's a 10 euro a month subscription where you'll get access to one new tactical training every month, a community of sales reps and exclusive events and discounts. Join today and get one month for free at www.saleslabs.io slash TSC.